You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this installment of our RSAC 365 podcast series with today's topic, Shift Left, Scanning and Security Compliance from Day Zero. This month's theme is cloud security and cloud SecOps, and today we're joined by Joe McCree and Miriam Treaky of SAP. Our guests will be talking about the security challenges inherent in migration to public cloud and how to detect threats in a cloud landscape. But before I turn it over to my guests to have them introduce themselves, I want to let you know that here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on your preferred podcast app so you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now I'd like to ask Miriam and Joe to take a moment to introduce themselves before we dive into today's topic. Miriam, let's start with you. Thank you so much, Casey. It's lovely to be here today with you. I guess I'll talk a little bit about how I ended up being a DevSecOps in SAP. Uh, I started my studies doing just math and physics, but then uh, IT kind of piqued my interest, and I switched to a computer science engineering degree and uh, fell in love with security. Unfortunately, at the time in university, not enough people wanted it, so they ended up shutting the division that was studying in security, but I managed to find an internship in um, SAP security labs in France, and that's how I launched my career in security. I did the six months there and then got hired as a DevOps in Belfast, uh, but I kind of missed security again and creeped my way into the DevSecOps team in the same place and same company, and I'm still there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my story sort of started the same with the university, and, uh, yeah, I did a degree in computer science and then sort of tried to move into security just by securing a few internships and stuff like that. Um, eventually, then when I started full-time, I was in a purely software engineering role, but naturally there was kind of a hole where security was um, because I was interested in it. I kind of just filled in where I could. Um, and yeah, then just moved over to SAP then. Like there was a position that was open that felt like a dream move, so I was really happy to go for it. I'm sort of really passionate about open source and security and fortunate enough to join a team that both uses and contributes to open source and is, you know, based in security. So, yeah, that's how I ended up at SAP. So it's great to have you both with us today. I'm I'm so excited that you found your way into security and found your way to RSA conference so that we can have this conversation with you. I know that you both bring experience as members of the DevSecOps and multi-cloud teams. So I'd love it if you could start us off by maybe highlighting the importance of continuous scanning from misconfigured resources on the cloud. Miriam, why don't you jump in here? Yeah, of course. I'm happy to do that. I'd say it's really important, not just because it's my job, but the cloud in general is new, and migrations are happening now more and more for large uh, companies that hold a lot of sensitive data and a lot of critical day-to-day business. But 
it is also not something ever, a lot of people have experience with. And even experienced people, uh, experienced cloud engineers can miss, um, configure resources, and that leads to huge gaps. You move your app from uh, being deployed on-prem in an environment that you are fairly familiar with to this new shared responsibility model where the lines can be, get a little bit hazy. Where do your responsibility start? Where does your cloud provider responsibility start? Uh, how much of that documentation about the product you're going to use, you're going to read? Did you miss the small print of telling you that even though we promise a really secure product on the cloud, you have to make sure to set it up in this way, not to use it for these purposes. And that's when the confusion happens and that's where the errors happen. Misconfigurations are usually not something done or 99%. It's not something done on purpose. And it's just kind of exploring a new world and you're testing it, but you don't know the full limits of your product and you don't know the full extent of uh, this new setup and you can lead a big threat surface if you do not do that. And especially when you have already experienced teams dealing with this, uh, with your app for a certain amount of years, that now has to suddenly move that app to the cloud. You can't expect them to be uh, experts in one day, they know their product really well. It's just getting to explore the cloud, and they ha you have to have another uh, set of eyes looking at these configurations to make sure you didn't miss anything. People who are more familiar with the uh, cloud offerings and the sort of configurations you can miss and the sort of fine points you can overlook. <laughs> I don't want to repeat what Marion just said, but yeah, it's like those... Yeah, pretty much sums it up very well. Like, there's such a fine line between the responsibilities in the cloud that, like, it becomes very easy for somebody to make a mistake and for that to become a misconfiguration that could be abused by somebody. And I think at the end of the day, like, security is down to a numbers game. Like, in an ideal world, you would reduce the chance of a security incident to, like, 0%. But, you know, people are human. They're bound to make mistakes. You know, it, it's something why it's so important maybe to start scanning everything. Because at least at that point, you can kind of catch something as it's been created rather than kind of waiting until, you know, something unfortunate happens before you actually take a look at your actual posture and realize that, you know, things could have been done better. Mm. So, Joe, then where do you start? Maybe you could walk our listeners through how to lay the groundwork for those that are just starting out on their journey toward addressing these imminent threats. How do they go about translating security compliance policies to code in order to achieve what you might call this compliance as code? And are there any open source tools that can help toward that end? Yeah, I think it's, that's a great question. When we first looked at it, it was kind of more of a let's get some visibility, which obviously you, you don't have at the very start. and It's near enough impossible to defend from something that you can't see or identify. Um, as for like tooling wise, I think that there's a number of tools out there that have different benefits and the approach we took was to use um, Chef Inspect. It's an open source kind of compliance checking tool. But um, 
some of the things that we really found benefits of it were that it's extremely flexible. You know, it allowed us to build our own tool that kind of utilized Chef and Spec to do what we wanted to do. Um, you know, so it allowed us to actually go out and use that tool to verify the security compliance of accounts. Now, I know there's plenty of tools out there to use, but I think that's, you know, after we had looked around a bit, it was kind of the one that we settled on. So, yeah, I think when you're starting out, um, it's, you know, important to kind of start small and just try and figure out how to scan the security compliance of a single account. And then from there, like, we kind of took that approach where we were like, okay, well, we'll try and verify one account, and then we just need to figure out then how to, how to architect the solution that will let us do that on the scale that, you know, we sort of have to deal with on a daily basis. So scanning was one issue that we discovered where it's like, you know, okay, we built something, at least that was the scanning over, part that we're done with. Um, but one of the other challenges we had then was, you know, SAP has 100,000 employees and there's, you know, thousands of cloud accounts in it with millions of resources. It turns out it's quite a challenge to figure out which of those 100,000 employees you actually need to send the report to. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, you know, based on who it is. Now, we have a few tools that, you know, are built by other teams that we were able to utilize that kind of matched up the owners or people who would actually care about the security of that account. So we were kind of in quite a fortunate situation where we could use our tool as well as utilizing the data from other tools within SAP to actually let us build the kind of pipeline where it goes straight through from it scanning your account right through to the person to notify. Now, obviously, that's not a problem that everyone's going to have, but um, I think that was kind of one of the challenges that we had, definitely experienced. That's great, Joe. Thank you so much. Lots of good insight there. And, you know, my next question was actually going to be about, you know, some of the challenges that you faced. So, Miriam, maybe you could um, give us a little bit of a combined answer on, you know, laying the groundwork, but also how that groundwork posed some challenges that you faced, given that SAP is such a large global enterprise. Yeah, as Joe talked about the challenges of once you find those security uh, threats or those uh, misconfigurations, how do you get about to reach in the the responsible people? That would also be something you discover when you're laying your uh, first steps is you need processes. Security is not just figuring out the right tool. It's more processes, it's more of educating your uh, employees and the people who are doing these deployments and using these uh, products. So that would be uh, my uh, f- the first steps even before choosing uh, an open source tool or deciding do you scan or not. You have to put the processes and what happens when you're going to find this uh, misconfiguration. How do you fix it and implement the fixes. It also goes to once you start developing these tools, how are you going to keep them up? How are you going to keep up with the new misconfigurations that uh, comes up? That's also one of the challenges we face since you can have a resource or you can build your application to be secure on the cloud, but the cloud is not stable. You don't roll out the uh, updates uh, anymore. You're using a product, someone else is rolling uh, updates and continuously working on and improving it, but that could leave you behind and leave you with outdated 
versions and that could lead to also some security threats. So I'd say keeping up uh, with security and keeping up with all the changes in the cloud world uh, is also a challenge. Yeah, and, you know, nothing in security is without its challenges. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, <laughs> this, this whole concept of shift left presents different challenges. So can you talk a bit about what it actually means to shift left and how this enables you to detect security compliance violations in product infrastructure? And what has allowed you to provide security compliance status throughout the product life cycle from development all the way through to production. Miriam, why don't we start with you this time? Well, Shift Left was basically trying to tell or to say security should be a first thought. Anyone who has worked on the development of a new product in a, even a small company knows you start by creating a proof of concept. So you can get to your shareholders to tell them this is actually can work and this is potentially a revenue generating product. So can we get some hands on it? And then from that, the wheels start rolling and it gets into this rhythm where you kind of let go of security or you, you don't have time you, because also you start with really a small group of people and you don't have the experience nor the time to put security as your main focus and make sure your product is secure and scalable. But then you end up at a certain point with a product that you rolled out and then you have clients on it, using it, and then you try to look backward and do a threat study or try to figure out what could potentially be a security threat to you, what can uh, be now enhanced, and that's really, really hard. To implement security backward, it costs even more resources. Sometimes it's not even feasible anymore at that stage. And by saying shift left, we say even at a POC level, even when you're creating proof of concept for an idea that is just starting, it, you should be thinking about security uh, the first deployment of uh, if you're creating a scalable product, even you're creating one pod of a Kubernetes cluster or you're creating one virtual machine to test, security should be a concern for you at that point. You should be able to spot what you're not doing uh, right or what is not being uh, up to standards at that point. Otherwise, you complete this, uh, the life cycle of this product, it keeps keep growing and you look back and try to make it better at that point. But it's either going to require a from building up from scratch, which can be done in 99% of the time, or it means you just have to live with it and keep batching it the best you can. And that's what really we're talking about by bringing security further ahead into the, the life cycle of a product. By what we've done with our product that would bring security to the beginning of the lifecycle product is we made uh, our scanning uh, tools were mainly uh, uh, containers. They can easily be integrated in a CI-CD pipeline. So once you start building your uh, application and pushing code to this, uh, to your repos, enhancing your application, and working on new features, one step from your pipeline could be this 
uh, the stool with an SAP. So if you add it, it's going to scan whatever you deployed for this test and, and let you know as you go from the first try of deploying your application what could be going wrong, what could be looked at, and what could be enhanced, and what is definitely should be fixed and changed. And that way, it, you are working on having a secure deployment and a secure cloud environment from day one, from the first deployment and the first ever resources created. You know, as, even as Ryan touched on there, like the the idea that you could actually integrate this into CI/CD, it really just kind of shows what we mean by shift left. I think even you know the tool that we built was so flexible that you know as well as implemented in CI/CD, we were also able or as a, a component of your CI or CD, we were actually able to also integrate this into like scanning the SAP organization. So. You know, we we can reach out to hyper like you know, say AWS or Azure or GCP or even AliCloud. Um, from the day you create a resource in that account, that account then immediately starts to get scanned by scale by a, a separate set of tools other than the one that you would implement in your CI. So it sort of means from like the first day we can kind of reach out to you and say, hey, this POC that you're developing. You know, as Marion said, it's a a true story that many. Um, POCs end up making it to production without much of a input in security, or even if it is, it's always at the end of the stack. So I think, yeah, we, you know, it allows us to kind of come along on the first days of a POC and say, like, by the way, you might want to rethink this certain element of it, you know, because it's going to cause you a headache in the future. Focusing on this idea of what folks should be thinking about, I'd love for you to maybe just discuss a little bit about what we should be thinking about when developing scanning rules. If the goal is to keep up with emerging threats and the influx of new cloud offerings, it's sort of like how do you how do you frame your expectations for, you know, preparing for the unknown? Personally, I would think developing your own scanning tool shouldn't be for everyone. Reinventing the wheel isn't always the way to go about it. As we talked about about open source for scanning, there is a lot of great tools. There are ones you have to pay for and others that are open source, like we're using Chef, there is Puppet, there is Ansible. The main thing to think about about when you decide to scan is what is the easiest way to do it, and that's going to depend on how much resources you have, how many cloud hyperscalers you're going to use, or using offerings from different uh, hyperscalers, or is it one main? And that would change uh, drastically if you're going to scan or not. Is it a really small deployment? Are you d- using the inter- graphical interface for this, or do you have another tool during the deployment, such as Terraform, and you're writing it as code? So that will also play a huge part in deciding uh, how are you going to scan your infrastructure. But the main idea is you have to scan it. You cannot assume that you got it right. You cannot assume that just because when we designed this uh, deployment was secure, it means it went on a cloud and is secure. Uh, and in small environments, I would always say these rules, if you did end up using any of the open source uh, tools, Chef or, or other, 
if you know what kind of offerings you're using from your hyperscalers, you can always focus on just implementing the rules for those set of products you're using. If, as in the case for SAP, we have a huge team, basically we don't know anyone who's using uh, these offerings from the cloud, and everyone within SAP has deliberately to choose whatever uh, suits their product to deploy it. So we had to scan for everything. We had to think about anything that could be a threat and scan for it and look for any potential threat. That could make the job a bit more, uh, way harder, because looking for threats on four different hyperscalers Everyone has their own properties. Everyone has their own offerings. Everyone gives you different metadata about your resources. So that would be challenging. But as long as you keep in mind what are your main sources and pain points and tackle those, that will eventually lead to you also discovering other points you can look after and you can anticipate bit by bit. The fact that the cloud will always change, the fact that the offerings will always change, that you cannot control, and it's actually something really, really good. So just uh, if you're large like SAP, you need a team of DevSecOps keeping up with the technology and always looking out for uh, other uh, pain points and future potential threats to, to close. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think the more seamless you can integrate security into your existing sort of tools and processes, the better off you'll end up. Um, like, you know, we were in a pretty fortunate situation where, you know, we developed something that was a, a puzzle piece to finish off the puzzle. And I think that's kind of how you have to deal with this because cloud offerings are constantly changing. There's constantly new threats. I think the more seamless you can integrate security into your actual setup, the easier it'll, it'll make it for you, you know, so you don't have to continually rethink it. You know, it's kind of the kind of thing that ideally you want something that's constantly on the search for you rather than you having to constantly, you know, update it and constantly be looking at uh, what's coming on. But again, there's also an element of that. Like, I think as Marion said, it, you know, once you deploy it once and it's secure, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll always be secure. So it's something that you constantly have to revisit and kind of just have in the back of your head that, you know, if you have to keep your eye on the news, you know, it, it's it's impossible to tell what's coming up next. So one thing I wanted to touch on is uh, the tool that you built, and I know it's a, a bit unique. So if you could maybe, Joe, maybe let's start with you and talk us through your approach of integrating the DevSecOps engineers in the effort to build this tool. Why did you decide to go that route? Yeah, um, it was a lot of sort of market study and personal experience within the team that kind of proved to us that there was no product out there that exactly fit all of our requirements. So, you know, ideally we wanted something that would work at scale, um, that would scan at scale, something that would integrate with our sort of existing tools and processes, and then something that allowed us to take that data and actually add on our own sort of metadata around it, you know, such as, you know, who are the proper security contacts for this? Is it, is it a production system? Is it a development system? So we kind of didn't find a product that really let us do all three of those and, you know, as I say, get that final piece to the puzzle. Um, so I think DevSecOps engineers, like, we were all kind of coming from a development and security background. So it kind of meant that we kind of had the knowledge of what needed to be scanned as well as 
the ability to actually create the tool to scan it. Um, so sort of catering for all those allowed us to kind of build security at its core and it allowed us to, you know, constantly have people in the room that could input on the security background and, you know, that could input into the best ways to develop this kind of future proof it. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Marion was something to add there. No, I agree, totally agree with what you said. If uh, I'd add one thing is the fact that um, it's not in every case that you need to go this route that we decided to build our own tool. It's just a setup and asset. You was very particular. In most companies, you'd only be using one hyperscalers. Everyone will be on the same uh, tool for CI/CD. Say everyone is going to go use Jenkins or uh, any kind of other open source tool or not even open source. You'd have policy. Everyone has to have their code as infrastructure as a code, and we're going to scan that code, which would make life really easy. But that's not the case for SAP. SAP is it tries to give teams as much freedom as possible without compromising our main concern and one of SAP's main uh, selling points which is security. Every team gets to choose whatever tools they have. Every team gets to choose whatever hyperscale they go to. And we have so many of them and they are deploying so many resources. So looking at the market, there isn't something really that would scale up to that point to take it into consideration all this wide uh, spread and, and to be able to keep up with the size. Uh, for smaller other users, I'd say take a look at other uh, tools first, see if they actually fit your purpose. But if, if it doesn't, uh, then building your own tool is always fun. And um, we had really a lot of fun doing this, uh, this new approach where you get to uh, build something for particularly misconfiguration and the cloud as security threats and do it for the main hyperscalers all throughout. I so appreciate that you are sharing your story of breaking down silos and really integrating efforts across teams in order to overcome your business-specific security challenges related to cloud migration. And Miriam, that's one thing that I've heard from you quite a bit today in this conversation is that, like, no, what we did isn't necessarily going to work for everyone and that it is very focused on the issues that you are trying to solve in your business, right, that there is no silver bullet, that this is the way that it has to be done and, and you'll never have a security issue again. Yours is a journey that many organizations are either embarking on or, you know, just about to embark on or really continuing on. So your story is so incredibly helpful. Uh, Before we wrap up, I'd love to hear from either of you if you have any parting words for our listeners. Anyone who preaches a security tool that will solve all your problems is, can you? (laughs) There is no such thing as 100% secure. There is more more like uh, uninteresting and a good security manner, a good security processes. It's always worth it to invest in security. Nothing ever, uh, it doesn't matter how good your customer experience is, it doesn't matter how scalable your tool is, if it's not secure, it is going to bound to fail. 
it also keep in mind to, to integrate this in early stages. Backward security is not even close to be as efficient as security that was integrated from the get-go. And, um, yeah, the, every tool has its own specificity. Every company has its own environment. And the IT world is one of the few places where there is always something that is going to fit you. And if there isn't, well, that's what code is for. You build it. Yeah, as Mariam said, like, there's no perfect tool. And I think everyone's in a completely different situation uh, a lot of the time. But, yeah, I think yeah, Miriam summed that up perfectly there. Wonderful. Joe, Miriam, thank you so much for being here with us today. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. To find products and solutions related to cloud security, we invite you to visit rsaconference.com forward slash marketplace. Here you'll find an entire ecosystem of cybersecurity vendors and service providers who can assist you with your specific needs. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year-round. Thank you all so much.